Welcome into another edition of the Future Sox Roundup. My name is Mike Rankin. I'll be your host, Elijah Evans, alongside us. We recap top performances of the Chicago White Sox affiliates here on the podcast. You can also listen to the Future Sox podcast. We release them every Tuesday. The upcoming episode that we have for you this week, Ben Badler, Baseball America, talking international signing period and philosophy, organizational strengths, all of it. You'll want to stay tuned. If you're listening to this episode down the line, go back and listen to what we have to offer across SoxMachine.com and Future Socks on our playlist. Like and subscribe really helps us move forward. Like We have creative projects that we're doing right here, as well as learn more about what we provide on our Patreon. If you're willing and able to become a patron, it helps us do what we do here every day, 365 days a year. Talking White Sox baseball, and that's exactly what we're doing today. Good to have Elijah Evans back on the podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at ElijahEV8, the numeral 8. My name is Mike Rankin, of course, at Rankin906 on Twitter. Elijah, we have some history to get to today. There's some arms, there's some bats. First, let's run down the standings, and we'll get to our first highlight courtesy of the low A Canapolis Cannonballers. But first, let's recognize the Charlotte Knights. They are 19 and 23. Birmingham Barons, 13 and 23. The Winston-Salem Dash, 23 and 11, outstanding in first place. And the Canapolis Cannonballers, 19 and 16. So then went triple A, double A, advanced A, low A. We got a couple of teams above 500 and a couple of teams below 500. The low minors right now for the Chicago White Sox are putting on a show, and that's exactly where we're going to start with the low-A Kannapolis Cannonballers, courtesy of Dan Elodi in his 100th game calling Kannapolis Cannonballers contests. Called strike three. History has been made. Connor McCullough with a seven-inning no-no of the Carolina Mudcats, and the Ballers take victory in game one of the doubleheader. Seven no-no innings from Connor McCullough. It's the first no-hitter in Kannapolis Cannonballers history. Elijah, we had history within the White Sox organization. Great find, great pull. Tell me a little bit more about Connor McCullough. Yeah, Connor McCullough is a guy that I don't think many people have heard of. Um, And in all honesty, I had not heard of before this season. Um, He's an undrafted free agent uh, last season um, in July, and he's a guy that I don't think has really had any expectations coming into the organization, just kind of a flyer college arm, a guy with some experience at the high level. You know, he started this season a little shaky in April, and then he's proceeded to go on one of the craziest three-game stretches I have ever seen in the minor leagues. In his three starts in May, he's thrown 19 innings, allowed just four hits and one walk with 22 strikeouts. And the last one was a no-hitter. So he's now gone six innings, six innings, seven innings of no run ball all three times in a row with at least seven strikeouts in all of these games. He is on a tear right now. It's a small sample size. You can't read into everything too much, especially at the single A level. But Connor McCullough is a guy that is firing on all cylinders right now. His whip is below one right now. He's at a .77 whip, which is just not something you see in the minor leagues, especially at this level. Um, And, you know, I think it's really a testament to he has a lot of experience in college. He really locates consistently. He's got six walks on the season and one in his last three starts. And he's a he's an arm that you know should rise sooner than later. I mean, if you're if you're throwing three straight shutouts um, at the, the single A level, it, it might be time to see him in in high A soon. And I know that's saying a lot for a guy that's thrown six games this season. But you know he he has looked absolutely dominant in every way through his last few games. 
Well, if a no-hitter is uh, not good enough <laughs> to get promoted sometime soon, then I don't know what will. Because, yeah, the consistency needs to be maintained, of course. 32 and a third innings so far across his season in single A, low A Kannapolis. But you mentioned that he has college experience pitching at Kansas State in the Big 12. His junior and senior year worked uh, in full seasons as a starter. So he made right. all of his starts across his latter years in college, and that definitely has an impact in where he is professionally, but it's also a testament to the Chicago White Sox, I think, allowing Connor McCullough an opportunity, and he's taking advantage and is succeeding. So that's a 23-year-old right-handed pitcher who made history, the first Kannapolis cannonballer ever to throw a no-hitter. And it was a seven-inning contest, but still, give the kid some credit. That's Connor McCullough, courtesy of the Loway Kannapolis Cannonballers. Congratulations to Dan Alodi again the baller's broadcaster in his 100th game as a professional broadcaster in the Chicago White Sox organization. Moving on, we have more highlights for you. This is a player that James Fox and I are very excited of monitoring, and I know Elijah uh, has him on his radar as well, and that's Lloyd Dalchapayi. Let's hear from the Winston-Salem Dash in high A. Fastball set high in the air to left. Going back is Bellini to the track, and it's out of here! Lloyd Dalchapayi! A three-run shot to straightaway left ties us up at seven in the bottom of the fifth. His fourth home run of the year. Elijah, what jumps off the page at you from Lloyd Del Chapey, an international signing older when he came across to the uh, actually Dominican Summer League last year, played at an advanced age comparatively, dominated, then came stateside. Now he's 21 years old and still putting up production and productive numbers. What is it that jumps out to you about Lloyd Del Chapey? Yeah, Chapey is just a fun player. I think he's got a really well-rounded game. And when you look at last year, obviously he he dominated on another level in the DSL with almost uh, 1,100 OPS, which you're not going to see um, when he comes over stateside. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's maintained a pretty solid level of production. He has a really good eye, uh, 18 walks so far. He's just a well-rounded player all around. He's got some speed. He's got five steals on the year. Um, you know, he transitioned from being more of an outfielder um, when he was in Cuba to more of a second baseman here. And I think he's, he's got the frame for second base. He's looked good there. He hasn't made a ton of mistakes. Um, you know, he's got a nice blend of some power, some contact skills. Um, a lot of his hits have been singles, but, you know, four home runs, two triples and five doubles. So he's got the ability to kind of spray the ball all over, a little bit of power, a little bit of contact, um, a good plate approach with those walks. The strikeouts aren't alarming so far. Um, you got I mean, a 382 on base percentage. That's, that's about all you can ask for at that level. Uh, so he's just a really nice, well-rounded player. And I know we, we've talked about him before, and you like him as well. Um, but he's he's a fun he's a fun guy to keep up with. Yeah, Chapey is interesting, especially now. And we talked about the age. At 21 years old, coming stateside, he skipped low A. So he went from the Dominican Summer League to you know advanced A Winston-Salem. And in 843 OPS to this point, 29 strikeouts to 18 walks. I mean, you'll take that across 123 at-bats currently uh, in advanced A. So shout-out to Lloyd Del Chapey. We talked to Ben Badler about Chapey on the Future Sox podcast. Definitely recommend you listen because he provided more insight on what he projects to see out of the current second baseman right now who's batting left-handed. And Look, this is a guy who, if you're able to convert successfully to second base, uh, that's a position that the White Sox have lacked value across a couple of decades now. Let's be quite frank about it. So Chapey is a guy that we all should be keeping an eye on. And thanks to the Winston-Salem Dash for providing that highlight to us as we continue on the podcast and celebrate success stories of the Chicago White Sox prospects within their affiliates. Brooks 
Goswine and Shane Murphy. We don't have highlights for them today. However, wanted to bring these names to the air because Elijah Evans has some things that he wants to say specifically about Brooks Goswine to start. So Elijah, the floor is yours. Goswine's a fun prospect. He's a local guy from Evanston. Um, you know, a fourth round pick uh, two years back. He went to Bradley. He's so he's you know he's an Illinois person, and he is really somebody the White Sox had pretty high expectations for. And you know, he came up in 2021 after he got drafted. He made three appearances in rookie ball and three appearances in Canapolis, um, and was solid. Um, nothing bad. And then you know he really struggled in 2022. It's his first full season. He was adjusting to being you know a full time starter in the minors. The, the higher inning load. He threw over 100 innings. Um, you know, he was all right at Kannapolis, um, got a little bit of an aggressive promotion to Winston-Salem at the end of 2022, and he clearly just just looked outmatched, you know, and in five games there, he had a 741 ERA. Um, but then this year they said, you know, we're going to we're gonna keep you there um, and see what happens because he is a little bit more of an advanced arm. He's 24 already, and he was a fourth-round pick, so they just, the Sox decided to just roll with it. And, you know, he's made a lot of really good adjustments this year. Winston-Salem this year, he's got a 276 ERA across six games, four of which have been starts. Um, you know, he's his command has kind of been the issue for him. Um, last year, he had 57 walks in between the two levels. And that was kind of the area where he he really wasn't able to gain consistency because he couldn't continually keep runners off base via walks. Um, this year, it's been a little better. He's got 14 across his 29 and a third innings. It's still a little bit uh, a little bit much on the walks for sure. But he's limiting contact a lot. I mean, opponents are hitting 198 against him this year. Um, and he's, you know, allowing very minimal hits on a regular basis he's given up four home runs this year which is where the majority of his earned runs allowed have come from um so it's really just a few big misses here and there that have resulted in homers but otherwise he's done a really nice job at limiting contact um throughout the level of winston-salem this year and you know he's he he's coming off a rough year so you know you need to see a little more from him beyond the six games um but he's somebody that could could elevate sooner than later given that he's you know a higher draft pick he's 24 years old he's got experience um so we'll, we'll see what happens with him but it's it's an encouraging sign to see a guy make a serious adjustment after a really rough season last year and come out this year at the same level and and look a lot better there's no i in team but there is one in indeed and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours when you're hiring you need indeed Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, that's a great observation, Elijah, because, you know, sub three ERA currently. And the thing that's most encouraging to me about Goswine to this point is, you know, across his career, there's a lot of innings. He's 24 years old, drafted out of college. You mentioned the local product, Bradley, but he made 24 starts or something like that. 25 appearances last year, 24 starts. And he was able to accumulate 99 innings, excuse me, 24 games, 23 starts. So close to 100 innings. That's a full season. 
in your first full professional season as a big league pitcher, as a professional pitcher, I should say, credit to Goswine for being able to handle the workload. And that's exactly what he's doing again this season with production to boot. So definitely a positive development for the left-hander. That was drafted in the fourth round, as Elijah mentioned. Elijah also wanted to talk about Shane Murphy, another left-handed pitcher. This one, though, in the Canapolis Cannonballers organization, uh, sub-2 ERA. Now, Shane Murphy's coming out of nowhere to me, Elijah. Tell me more about him. Same here, completely out of nowhere. Um, you know, 14th round pick last year, so he does have draft pedigree to some degree, but he's a community college guy. He threw a total of seven innings last year um, after getting drafted, so that really doesn't doesn't you can't really count that much. I mean, the ERA looks ugly, but you can't you can't look too much into seven innings, seven and a third innings. Um, and then this year, you know, starting in uh, Canapolis with the Cannonballers, and he threw six starts as a one nine three, like you mentioned. He's uh he's looked really good. He's got thirty two strikeouts to six walks so he's uh he's doing a real nice job com- with the command um at his level and you know a one whip so he's got 28 base runners and 28 innings um and that's that's a pretty good overall overall metrics for him you know he he's looked good he's not somebody that many people will know he's not somebody that i don't think the expectations are too high for um he had his worst start probably of of the year so far uh, a few days ago but even in that start, you know, he it was it was a, some defense didn't help him out a little bit. He got a bit unlucky with some balls here and there. He ended up throwing a few too many pitches. Um, but in general, he's he's looked good. He's throwing you know four to five four to five innings most of his starts. Um, he's he's allowing minimal minimal hard contact. Um, he's not walking many people at all. I mean, so even when he struggled his last start, it was only two walks, which you know it's it's encouraging, especially at the low A level. It's good to see guys that aren't walking a ton of people. You know, you can get in bad rut as a young pitcher and you can really struggle to continue developing your pitching and your your strategy as a pitcher if you're continually walking guys and putting yourself in situations that are less than ideal so for a guy like murphy who you know we he's 22 he's still still pretty young he's got a big projectable left-handed frame um, you want to see that development come and you want to see him continue to work on his pitchability and his strategy and that he's going to have the ability to do that given that he's not walking a lot of guys so it's a, it's an exciting young arm it's fun to monitor a lot of these names mainly because there can be not just a jump but a leap in success given their proximity to the big leagues and their age and experience already coming into professional baseball and you know we just got done talking about you know Brooks Goswine, how about Shane Murphy, a guy who maybe this year establishes himself as somebody who should be taken seriously as affiliated depth until he proves that he is more than just such. Because like you said, command first, and he's got it listed at 6'5", over 200 pounds. So there's size here in Murphy, uh, and also a little bit of projectability thanks to the frame and the fact that he's commanding pitches in low way. Love to see if Murphy gets challenged in advance day Winston-Salem at some point this year. Speaking of, we have our final clip. Lifted high and deep, right field looking up is Celedonio. That ball is out of here. Just like that, it's another ball game, and we have ourselves a tie game at 7-7. It's a two-run shot for Brooks Baldwin, his second home run of the year. Elko scores, and again, we have a tie game, 7-7. The Q's are back even with Augusta. All right, Elijah, let's get some insight on Brooks Baldwin. This is a player who is all over the place so far this season, but he's working in Loway, Canapolis, listed at 6'2", 175. 
Are you encouraged by the start of the 12th round draft pick for the Chicago White Sox here this season? Yeah, I think there's a lot to like uh, with Brooke Baldwin so far. And, you know, last year he played 27 games um, between rookie ball and Kannapolis and definitely looked a bit overmatched at times. Um, I think coming straight out of college, he just wasn't quite in his rhythm yet. You know, he had... He was striking out a lot. He wasn't walking a ton. He was walking a decent amount, but he was he was striking out a lot. Um, and he wasn't getting a ton of hard hits here and there. You know, this year it's it's a different story. Um, it's fun to see. He's got an eight eleven OPS, which doesn't jump off the page, uh, but it's solid. It's a huge improvement from his small sample size last year. Uh, you're starting to see more of that power come into play. He's got three homers already. Um, three that have been hit really hard. There's a a clip of one. I mean, we saw, and he's he's got a, the ability to really crank the ball. Um, he's got a few different doubles and homers of a hundred plus exit below this season, uh, three homers, two, five doubles and a triple so far. Um, you know, a good amount of walks, 13 walks to 21 strikeouts. So he's got a good approach. He's got some speed, you know, he's a, he's a tall lean guy. So he's got nine steals. He's only been caught once. Um, and he's playing all over. So that's, it's always fun to see guys that can really play anywhere. Um, while he is listed as a natural third baseman and he's played the most games at third, he's played center, he's played left, he's played second, he's played first. So he's really played a little bit of everything so far. Um, I think, I realistically see him as more of an outfielder. Um, I think he could last at third. He seems like a guy that could be more of, you know, a, a speedy kind of outfield type, but we'll see where he goes. And it's always good to have that versatility at this level. You know, we've seen with the White Sox in previous years that the team has really not done the best job of planning positional depth um, and forced guys into positions they shouldn't be in. So having guys like Baldwin throughout the system that can play in a multitude and a magnitude of positions and kind of move all over the field when they need to is always helpful to have. That's Elijah Evans. Be sure to follow him at Elijah EV, the number eight. It's time for Elijah's feature story of the week. Now, this is maybe not a feature story, but it's kind of an idea that's been circulating the brain of one Elijah Evans. And uh, I want to hear what he has to say, because this is a little ambitious, but I want you to explain it first. Yeah, I'm going to preface this uh, for everybody listening by saying that I absolutely love this player. He is my favorite player on the team. He has been my favorite player on the White Sox uh, for two years now. But it is it is time to consider uh, what a Dylan Cease trade would look like. And as much as that hurts me to say, you got to look at the facts of it. Um, he's got two more years of arbitration. He's going to be looking for a $200 million contract at least. Uh, I know he's been off to a shaky start this year. I, I'm not buying that he's just has fallen off. He's looked better his last two starts. He's going to settle in more. He was one of the best pitchers in baseball last year. He's young. He's got one of the best sliders in the entire league. And he's a Scott Boris client. So you look at a guy like Cease and you're, you know he's going to be signing for some money. And I... Just don't know if I believe that the White Sox have the ability to or will want to or will make the effort to give him the money that he's going to be asking for. So when you look at all that, you got to consider the possibility of it. I've been against it for a while. Earlier this season, I have a friend who had mentioned it and been like, oh, should we, should we consider that? And I'm like, ah, oh, not yet. Let's see. But if this team is out of contention come July and it's looking like we just got to sell it off, which I, I've been kind of advocating for lately, and I think it's it's heading that direction. It's been heading that direction. But if we're going to sell, yes, you can look at a cease and say, keep him, he's a cornerstone, re-sign him, whatever, sure. That might not be possible. And beyond that, he is the only player on this team that would get us a return of prospects that will be franchise-altering. You look back at the Chris Sale deal and you know the, the Quintana deal, which you know we got kind of lucky on that one, um, but you know, it's there's players on this team that will get us prospects. But if this team is going to reset and rebuild around some of the core young players and our core prospects, he is the only player that will get a return that will be franchise changing. 
Tim Anderson has one more year of control. Giolito's a free agent this year. Hendricks has one more year. Cease has two more years of arbitration for a team to work out an extension and then more. You have to consider it because you are going to get a package of prospects that will change the future of this team. I love being a White Sox fan, man. <laughs> it's the best. Trading their best player all the time. I love it. Elijah, that's where we're at as Sox fans at this point. Yeah. Because what's the best way to get better? And that's try to take a step back, I think. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And I, I don't, again, I don't want that, right? You don't want to trade Dylan Cease. I love watching him pitch. It, it makes me tune into White Sox games even when I'm sick of watching this team. But you have to think about it. Like you just said, I mean, you, there's only so much you can do to fix a roster that isn't working. And the way to instantly reset your timeline is, I mean, you're looking at a guy, we, we could get three top 100 prospects in a trade for Dylan Cease. And I know that sounds ambitious, but like, it, it's really not. He's, he's 27 years old. He's one of the best pitchers in the American League last year. And he has two more years of control. So it's it, it could change the entire course of the future. So you have to look at it if this team isn't going to succeed in the next two years. Yeah, it would be tough to stomach, but I think it would make me uh, maybe not relieved, but uh, have a sense of calming because that move would indicate the organization is choosing a pathway. And that's what I want to see. I just want to feel comfortable with the direction my organization that I follow so closely is going. Do they want to compete or are they going to really commit to organizational development and understanding that the only way that they can compete with budget restrictions and restrictions from all of these entities in the front office, and and that's relying on their own. So if that means you have to unload to gather young and develop, then that's the strategy. And then you maybe filter in some dollars in free agency on filler positions while you're trying to develop the core. And which, you know, it's sad, Elijah, we thought we had the core here <laughs> yep, already. We did. <laughs> we, we were excited and I, I was excited. I know a few years back I when all those trades happened, especially once the season Eloy trade happened uh, with the Cubs, I, I was all in. I mean, I was like, this team is going to be awesome. And, you know, we saw glimpses of it in 2021 and we we were good. And we've we've had moments where even, even going into this year, I, I truly believed we still had the ability to really turn it around and make it happen with this core. And, and this season has just kind of been the nail in the coffin to some degree. Um, it's just, it's hard to believe that this core can work. And I don't, I don't think that it's impossible to rebuild and not trade cease. I think there's a world where that works and we still see a direction. Like you said, you know, I want to see a direction. That's exactly what we've been saying and what fans have been wanting right now all season. It's just, let's get a direction. What is our, what is our plan? And I think there could be a plan that involves cease still here, but you, you at least have to consider an listen to offers for a guy that could change the entire franchise with a trade. All right. So what do you think of Elijah's idea of moving <laughs> on from Cease and, and committing to this trail? I get it, man. A lot of people are feeling this way. I'd love to hear from you, the Future Sox listener. Thanks so much for tuning in every week to the Roundup, which we release on Saturday or Sunday based on our schedule. We do release every Tuesday the Future Sox podcast, so double action for you here from SoxMachine.com and FutureSox.com. We really appreciate your support. For Elijah Evans, my name is Mike Rankin. We do this for you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you all next week.